Hi, man. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors. I want to welcome you to the Noble Man podcast, episode number 58. This podcast episode is part of our tailgate series. Think of it like a men's ministry Reese's Cup. You know, it's it's hard to beat chocolate and peanut butter together. It's a great idea. So we took that great idea. We said we've got two awesome ingredients, our tailgates and our podcast. We mix them together for the tailgate podcast series. I think you'll appreciate the results. So today we're going to hear a fast-paced, high-impact message about David's heart from Stan Grant. Stan is the lead pastor at Clover Hill Church in Midlothian. I want you to buckle your seatbelts because he covers a lot of ground quickly. Here we go. Hey, Father, thank you so much for this, brother. Thank you for the opportunity for us to sit under his teaching. God, I pray that you will use him as your instrument in your hand this evening. I pray that the words that come out of his mouth are from your spirit and they will fall on the fertile ground of prepared hearts tonight. Speak to these men through this one man, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, good evening, y'all. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, Don, I was 14 when I came to Richmond. That's why 24 years I'm still looking spry and looking good. And and I just want to say, Don, I want to honor you right out the gate, Pastor Don. When I did come 24 years ago, I didn't know anybody. I was a 27-year-old, starting out, had 11 people in our church, and you welcomed me like I was somebody. You put your arm around me. You prayed with me. You loved on me. Every pastor's meeting I went to, I always felt inferior. I always felt a little insecure because I was with a bunch of living legends like you, but you always greeted me, welcomed me, prayed passionate for me, and I'm, I'm so grateful for your brother. I'm just glad I don't have to preach after you tonight. I get to preach before you. Because I don't want to have to follow you. And, and, and Mike, thanks so much for the opportunity. 16 years sowing seeds into the lives of men in this community. And, uh, and uh, I just, where is Mike? Where'd he go? Don't grow weary in doing good. For God's going to continue to use you and help you and, and uh, strengthen you. They say that you get the man, you get the whole family. And your ministry is vital. It's important. We need you in this city. And we're grateful for your life. I want to talk to you just a minute about David. Well, 23 minutes and 50 seconds, I'm going to talk to you about David. And I'm going to hit the mark tonight. Scripture declares, or speaks him, there are 66 chapters that are dedicated to his story. The New Testament mentions his name over 59 times. He'll inhabit and establish the, the most famous city, Jerusalem. He'll, he'll, the, he'll, the Psalms will flow from his pen. He'll be called king, warrior, composer, giant killer. He'll be called a man after my own heart. When you read his story, you wonder, if you're anything like me, what did God see in him? He fell as often as he stood. He stumbled as often as he conquered. He'd stared down Goliath, but he couldn't keep his eyes off Bathsheba. He led armies to victory, but he couldn't manage his own family. He was able to infuse courage into his troops, but could not, but he covered up with his sin of murder. Uh, If I just give you a little backstory real quick, Israel desired a king. Samuel was the prophet. He was the judge. Samuel was getting older. Samuel was, was getting feeble. And he, he, he gave his sons the job of leading Israel. And they were crooked, and they were deceitful, and they were wicked, and, and uh, they just couldn't be used. And, and the people got together, the elders, and, and they said, hey, Samuel, we need a king. And Samuel said, God, I don't want you to have a king. He wants to be your king. No, we need a king. You're getting old. Your boys are no good. And we want to be like everybody else. So God gave him a king, and Saul was anointed the first king of Israel. And Saul, he looked like he was going to be the man. I mean, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was uh, a very capable leader, yet he was a catastrophe. He was insecure. 
He feared people more than he feared God. He lacked conviction and courage. He was unable to make the hard decisions. He loved his position more than the one who gave him the position. He refused to take responsibility for his unwise and ungodly action. He would pass the buck. He would draw attention elsewhere. He didn't follow through and wasn't completely obedient to God. And, and even in spite of that, I want you to know God still could have used him. It, it wasn't his character flaws. It wasn't his personality traits. It wasn't his lack of leadership that, that got the best or got the worst to Saul. It was something in his heart. God, here, listen, God's power always trumps over our weakness. God's wisdom always prevails over our stupidity. Aren't you glad for that? God's grace always covers our messes. All throughout history, God has used misfits. He's used people that are unlikely, that are inadequate, that, are, that in the world are, are less than. People that, that uh, Moses ran from justice. God used him. Jonah ran from God. God used him. Rahab ran a brothel. Samson ran to the wrong women. Jacob ran in circles. Elijah ran to the mountains. Sarah ran out of hope. Lot ran with the wrong crowd. And God used every one of those guys in a, in a powerful way. But there was something about Saul's heart that it disconnected. It wasn't his lack of courage. It wasn't his insecurity. It was how he responded and received the love and approval of God. How he followed God's instructions and commands. How, how he lacked a real desire to honor God above everything else. A humble heart had become proud. A soft heart had become hard. A tender heart had become callous. A thankful heart had become jealous. And a sensitive heart had become unresponsive. God's rejection of Saul was not a person problem. It wasn't a personality problem. It even wasn't a character problem. It was a heart problem. And so Samuel went to look for the next king, and, and that was to be David. And, and many of you know this story. He brought all his sons before him, and, 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 and the, uh, the Jesse said, surely one of these are the ones. And Samuel said, no, that's none of them. Do you have another son? Well, I got one boy. He's out in the field. And uh, as soon as Samuel saw him, he recognized the Spirit of God on him. He recognized the anointing of God, and he recognized something in his heart because he responded, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at his heart. In Acts 13, concerning David, it says, He is a man after my own heart. Again, his life was scarred by scandal and immorality. He made terrible mistakes, and he paid dearly. He suffered great loss, humiliation, and pain. Yet he was a man after God's own heart. He was chosen to lead Israel. Not because of his leadership, not because of his, of his giftedness, not because of his looks, because of his heart. He had a right heart. What, what, what was it about David's heart? Let me give you a few things. Here's what I think. When it came to sin, David had a repentant heart. When it came to sin, David had a repentant heart. In contrasting Saul, when Saul sinned, he justified it. He rationalized it. He denied it. When Samuel came to David... When he sinned with Bathsheba and he told him the parable and he told him the story, David cried out, I have sinned against God. He said, I deserve judgment, God, but will you please grant me mercy? I, I, I have sinned. I have messed up, messed up. Please forgive me. Change my heart. Don't cast me from your presence. And God, I'll share my story with others so everybody can learn from my mistakes. David didn't excuse it. David doesn't blame Bathsheba. David doesn't deny it. He confesses it. 
He takes responsibility for it. Listen to me, men. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's not the president's fault. If I could kick the person responsible for all my problems, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. David, that's supposed to be funny. Laugh with me. <laughs> David acknowledged what God already knew. He cried out from, for forgiveness, and he turns from his sin. A repentant heart acknowledges his sin, confesses his sin, and with the help of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, turns from his sin. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for people, for men, who realize when they sin, they own up to it. They take responsibility for it, and they make changes concerning it. A broken and contrite heart, I will not despise, says the Lord. When it came to sin, David had a repentant heart. When it came to struggles, David had a trusting heart. Life can be difficult. Life can be challenging. Whoever said serving Jesus makes life easier or problem-free, they lied to you. And nobody had more. I tell people all, this, all the time, living for Jesus isn't easier, but it, it's better. It may, it's, it's, living for Jesus is better, and it makes you better at life. There's more fulfillment. There's more joy. There's more peace. There's more satisfaction. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I'm a better leader. I'm a better whatever because of the, because of the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. He makes it better, but he doesn't make it easier. Life can be difficult. David knew the struggle. David, you know, fought, had to fight Goliath. He was in constant war with neighboring nations. He, ran, he was on the run for Saul for, for just a fugitive. His, his picture was on every wanted poster in the city during that time. Listen, his son raped his half-sister. Another son killed the brother who raped the half-sister. It, it was a mess, dysfunctional. One son rebelled against him and tried to overthrow his kingdom. Yet in the midst of the heartache, here's this key, in the midst of the challenges, you can read in his journal, Psalms 27, the Lord is the light in my salvation. In the middle of the rebellion, in the middle of the pain, in the, the, the middle of the heartaches, why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when enemies and foes attack me, they'll stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even when I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask, O oh Lord, this is what I seek the most, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That means to live in the presence of God, all, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he conceals me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his presence. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my high, high above my enemies who surround me. And his in his sanctuary I offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. See, God, you're, I'm going through this trial. There's this difficulty. My, look, my life looks like it's a mess right now, but you're my restorer. This is what David said, and I trust you. My situation looks bleak. I don't know if I'm going to be able to change it, but I trust you, God. My circumstances tell me to throw up my hands and quit. What's the use? But God, I trust you. 
My relationships look ruined. You're, you're the rebuilder, God, and I trust you. My kids have gone prodigal. My heart is broken. But you're the pursuer, God, and I trust you. If you went after the lost sheep, if you hunted for the lost coin, if you waited personally for the lost son, you're not going to give up on my kid or grandkid. My finances are in, in shambles, but you're my provider, and I trust you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. My health is failing, but you're Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, and I trust you. I'm not sure what to do, but you've promised to guide me, and I'm going to trust you. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. Come on, somebody. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you, and you're going to direct my past. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I, I got salvation. I can trust you. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Somebody say amen. amen. You might be Baptist, but there's some fire shut up in them bones. Come on, Holy Spirit. Get a hold of them. Let's go. We got a God to serve. We got a world to conquer. We got an enemy to defeat. We got Jesus on our side, and we can trust him. We can believe in his goodness and his faithfulness and his grace to see us through and pull us out of every situation. You know, when you trust him, <clears throat> you'll be able to finish the race. You'll be able to fight the fight. You'll be able to keep the faith. Because I trust you, God, I'm going to press on. I'm going to endure. I'm going to stay close. I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to seek your heart. I'm going to surrender my will. I'm going to pursue your plan. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord. We bought into this lie. We'll live for Jesus if, if he works this relationship out or if he gets me this new job with the pay I want or if he comes through like I expect him to. And you know what we got from that? A bunch of mamsy, pamsy, sissy Christians who jump ship at the first sign of trouble. And I'm not suggesting that you settle for that poor relationship. I'm not telling you to, to, just, to just endure that sick body and that constant struggle. You dig in and you fight. You go on the offensive against the enemy through prayer and worship and confession and, and declaring God's word and sharing your struggles with brothers. But while you're in the battle, you fight the good fight and you trust Jesus that he's fighting for you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard against him. He will empower you. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. He is for you, and if God be for you, who can be against you? He will be faithful to see you through. He who began a good work is committed to seeing that completed until the day of Christ Jesus. Here's what David wrote. Be strong and take heart, all who trust in the Lord. You know what it was about David? It wasn't about his power. It wasn't about his position. It wasn't about his looks. It was about his heart. When it came to sin, he had a repentant heart. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And by your power and your grace, I'm going to turn from it. When it come to, came to struggles, he had a trusting heart. God, I'm going to trust you in the good. I'm going to trust you in the bad. I'm not going to be a, you know, I call it, we got, we got fair weather Christians. We got, we, we got Christians that they'll serve God when it's good, when it's good weather. And, 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 then, and then if it turns bad, where are you, God? It's Jesus for a moment. 
I'm gonna, I want to be an all-weather Christian. I, it rains on the just and the unjust. It, you, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Man, I want my life to be a, a testimony of, of in the good and in the bad and in the victories and in the, and in the difficulties and the challenges that my eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith, that I got a hold of his, of his garment and I'm going on in him. I'm fight, come on, I'm fighting the good fight keeping the faith when it came to challenges and difficulties. David had a, he had a trusting heart. And then listen, when he came to success, David had a humble heart. He was humble in it. Listen, 1 Samuel 18, 14. In everything David did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. David realized why and how he was able to do what he did. It wasn't his strength. It was God's strength in him. Some of you think, man, look at the business I built. No, God gave you the ability to build that business. Look at the money I've made. No, God gave you the ability to make wealth. It, no, look, what, look at my kids. Look how great they are. No, that's the grace and the goodness of God that gave you to have them kids. And, and if you live long enough, your kids are going to, they're going to walk on both sides of the track. And, 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 but it's just the grace and the, isn't it? It's just the goodness of God. It's nothing we've done. It's nothing about us. It's all about him. David was probably one of the most successful men that ever lived. After he knocked off Goliath, he became a national hero. His name was known everywhere. People sang songs about him. Daughters wanted to date him. Boys wanted to be like him. The Bible says all of Judah and Israel loved him. He had the people's respect. He had unlimited resources. He was on the top of his game. His future was bright. His potential was unlimited. Here's what I know. In adversity, we tend to doubt God. In success, we tend to forget God. And adversity oftentimes is much easier to endure than staying faithful during successful seasons. Because with adversity comes desperation. I need you, God. I can't do this without you. With adversity comes dependency. God, God, I am totally dependent on your grace and mercy. But with success comes pride. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. It often results in independence. With adversity comes evaluation. God, what, what do you want to do in me? And what are you trying to do through me? With success comes exaltation. We want to elevate and put ourselves on a higher level. How did David handle success? How did David stay humble? David gave all the credit, and glory to God. Psalms 115. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. When everyone was praising him, when everyone was singing his, his prayer, he, he wasn't pointing people to himself. He was pointing people to God. God, you get all the glory. Lord, you get all the credit. When he was being elevated from shepherd boy to king, when he was increasing in influence and, and income, he would declare, for promotion and power come from nowhere on earth, but only from God. He is the one who promotes, and he disposes another. You know, there was a long delay between the time David was anointed king and he actually became, became king. There were years between when God said what would happen in his life and what actually did happen. But David refused to grasp for power. He refused to push his way up the ladder, to force his way to the top. You know what he did? He allowed God to shape him and mold him. He didn't push down doors. He walked through doors that God opened. He didn't pursue a, pursue a position. He pursued God, and God gave him a position. 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might lift you up in due time. You know, some of us think that God randomly and arbitrarily picks certain people and says, you're the one, they're the one. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to show you favor. I'm going to grant you success. I'm going to ensure you reach your potential. To everybody else, we think, well, just tough luck. That's not how God works. Here's what the Bible says. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking for people to bless. God's looking for people to reward. God's looking for people to use. And what he does is he does a heart search. And he's looking for a heart that, that is fully committed to him and following his ways. Not perfect, not maybe seen by the most with the most potential, but when it comes to sin, you have a repentant heart. And when it comes to adversity, you have a trusting heart. And when it comes to success, you have a humble heart. God wants to pour out his blessing to those whose hearts are committed. If God did an x-ray of your heart, what would he find? Would he find a repentant heart? Oh, well, it's not my fault. God, if my wife was better to me, well, everybody's doing it. Surely you don't expect me not to be a part of that. Or is it, God, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to hurt your heart. I, I don't want to displease you. I want to honor you more than anything else. When you sin, do you justify it, rationalize it? And listen, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. I hope I'm, I hope I'm getting my point clear. There is none righteous, no, not one. We all miss the mark. We all fall short. We all, God, I, I got to keep emphasizing this. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for brokenness. He's looking for people that will humble themselves before them and say, God, I'm desperate for you. When it comes to sin, do you have a repentant heart? When it comes to adversity, do you have a trusting heart? When adversity comes, you got to whip things up. you got to take things into your own hand. God, I gave you a shot, but you're not coming through like in the time I thought you would. Maybe it's time for me to take over. Maybe it's time for me to get involved in this thing. Or do you say, God, I submit and surrender to your will. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, God, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to trust you to direct my steps. Do you, do, you, do you have a trusting heart when it comes to adversity? And when it comes to success, has God blessed you? Has God's favor been upon you? Has he been merciful to you? I know he has me. And, and I know I cannot take credit for not, not any of it. It's the, it's the grace. It's the, that's what David, David, he hit it, boy. He was up there. But he realized it was God that promoted him. If God was to do an x-ray of your heart, would he see a prideful heart, an arrogant heart? Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look at these boys I raised. Look how they throw a football. Look how they shoot that three-pointer. I would have got me a heart. God, if it weren't for you, if it weren't for your grace, there's no telling where I'd be or what I'd be doing. Why don't you bow your heads and your hearts with me, will you? And 
Why don't you just say this? Will you say this right where you're sitting? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? God is a talking God, and his sheep hear his voice. He'll speak to your heart. What's he telling you concerning these three things? Is there a sin you need to repent of? Is it something in your life that you know that that's not pleasing to God? It goes against his word. It doesn't honor him. Repent of it. Repentance means a change of heart from it, a change of mind from it. God, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do your way. God, forgive us from our sins. Lord, you said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us from our, from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we repent of the sin of pride. We repent of lust today, God. Lord, we repent of things that have disconnected us and kept us from, your, from our full potential and our destiny in you, Jesus. Lord, forgive us. Wash us. Lord, we, we ask that right now you'd wash us and cleanse us. Give us a pure heart, a clean heart, a heart that beats and longs after you, Jesus. Maybe you're, you're having some struggles. Are you trusting God? What's he saying to you? God, help us to trust you in every area, in every situation. God, you said if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and you'll give liberally without finding fault. God, we don't understand everything because we're not God. You are, and so we trust you. You're the creator. We're the creation. Lord, you're sovereign. You're above all. You're over all. You know it all. And we submit and surrender to your will and your way. We trust you, Jesus. You're worthy to be trusted. If God was to do an x-ray of your heart, would he see a proud heart or a humble heart? Listen to me. Pride was the original sin. Pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride goeth before, before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I, I would say almost every other sin is rooted in pride in some way. God, forgive us for our arrogance and our thinking that we're something... And I don't, I don't mean that we're woe is me. I mean, we're confident, but not in us. We're confident in the grace of God. We're confident. We're bold. But it's not in our authority. It's in his authority. Oh, God, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. See, I told you it was fast, guys. Uh, so what would God see if he does an x-ray of your heart? You need to ponder that a bit. Check out the show notes for a link to Stan's church website. And listen, if you were blessed by this, would you share it with someone? This is the type of thing that you could just point another guy in the direction of this message and bless him. It would also be a great blessing to us if you would take time to give us a review and a rating on your favorite podcast service. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to catching you next week for the Nobleman Podcast, Episode 59. God bless you, man.